Well, hello, my friends. It's been a little while since we've seen each other, about a week. Um, some of you, a lot of you were away with us on FAP, and it was a great week, and some of you are like, oh, shut up about FAP because I wasn't there, and I'm sick of hearing about it. If that is you, my condolences, it was a really good week, but it's also okay that you didn't come, and we love you anyway, um, but we want you to come next year because it was a great time. Um, we're going to pray now. And we're going to look at what the Bible has to say. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, thank you so much that you are a speaking God. Lord, thank you that as we open your word tonight, we can have confidence that the God of the universe is addressing us. Father, help us to take this time seriously and treat it for what it is. I pray that you'd help me to be clear communicate what your word has to say and I pray you'd help us to listen well. I pray, Lord, that you would do a great work in us tonight, that by your word, by your spirit, you would be changing us and growing us. Amen. Now, as has already been said, fat was a huge week and I reckon lots of you probably came home from fat pumped. You just came home just going, you! It's so good. I'm saved by grace. I'm adopted. I'm forgiven. I was headed for hell. I'm now headed home toward heaven. And I wonder if lots of you came home keen for life to be really different from now on. You came home going, yeah, things are going to change. It's all going to be different. I'm going to, I'm going to tackle that sin that's, get, that's been bothering me all these years. I'm going to change. I'm going to grow. Life is going to be different from now on. I wonder how that went for you this week. I wonder how that all went for you. Now, God willing, for many of you, my prayer has been this last week, that your lives would be different, that they would be forever changed. And my prayer is that God would have done that sort of work in you guys. But even if things are very different, have you still noticed this this week? Have you still noticed that you're still a sinner? We still lust, we still bend the truth, we're still full of pride in all these different ways, it's still there like, like a dog that you see and it walks in the kitchen and it like, it vomits up all its dinner on the floor and you're like, okay, it's done with the vomit and it'll walk away a bit and then it comes back like, no, I'm going to have a bit more of that and it eats its vomit back up again. So often it seems like that's what we do with sin, there's this thing that we should be done with but instead we come back and we have another meal on it right away. And even when I do obey God, even when I am doing the thing that I think I should be doing, somewhere deep in my heart, there's still this desire to be doing the other thing. Even when I'm like, yeah, I'm done with that, I'm doing the right thing, there's still this desire that's dragging me back toward my sin. Now, if you were on fat, you would have already spent some time in Galatians chapter 5, which is the passage that was just read for us. We already looked at that on the last day. Now, tonight we're going to revisit that same passage and we're going to pick up a few extra things that we didn't have time to cover on fat and we're going to be tackling some really important stuff in this passage tonight. Here's the big question we're going to look like, here's the big question we're going to look at and it's this, is it actually possible to change as Christians? Is it actually possible to change? We're saved by grace, we can have confidence, you can have confidence that you are right with God... But in a year's time, what confidence can you have that your life is going to look any different? Can we change? 
can we grow? Can we actually move forward in sin or will we stay tangled up and kind of stay exactly where we are? Now, if you're someone who's been a Christian for a while, I reckon you've probably already answered that exact question in a, on a few levels. You've probably answered that question in your head already and in your head you're like, yeah, of course we can change. That's the whole reason that Jesus saves us. He saves us so that we'd go on to live lives that please God. Of course Christians can change is what you say in your head but in our hearts on a different level, I wonder if you've already answered the question there as well and, and, you've, and you've said this, yeah, I know Christians can change but I probably won't. Now, maybe you think to yourself, I don't have enough self-control. I just really do feel trapped in this sin. You might look back at your history and where you've been in life so far and you just go, I know I should change, but man, looking at my record, I, I doubt I will. I don't think I will. If that's you tonight, hear this promise in God's Word. Verse 16 says, So I say, Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify, you will not give in to the desires of the flesh. That is a promise to you from your God. You can change. Things can actually be radically different. Now, we need to work out what it means to walk by the Spirit and we'll get to that later in the talk. But nonetheless, did you hear that promise? If you walk in step with the Spirit, if you, verse 16, walk by the Spirit, you can change, you can be done with that sin, you can grow incredibly. With God's help, you can actually change. And so tonight, the God of the universe is saying to you, to all of you who are in Christ, I want to do a work in your life. I want to do something big in your life. I want to radically change how it looks and make it look more and more like Jesus. Now, if you're a Christian, that is very exciting news. That is so good. Now, if tonight here you're you're not a Christian, this is an opportunity for you to see what's on offer in the Christian life. Because not only does, does Jesus offer forgiveness, salvation from our sin, from the consequences of our sin, Jesus actually offers to not only just forgive you, but to radically change your life, to, to help you live life the way it should be lived. That's a very good thing, that's what's on offer tonight, that's what you've got a chance to check out for yourself tonight. Now, here's the first thing we're going to see in this passage, taking it from the top, here's the first thing, and it's a little bit of a surprise. Here's the first thing you're going to see, change comes when you're at war within yourself. That's the context that change comes in. Did you notice the war in verse 17? Check out verse 17. He says, for the flesh, that, that's the, the sinful nature was what Brooks' version says, the sinful nature, the flesh, desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. There's a war going on inside of every true Christian. See, everyone in the world has this thing called the flesh, the sinful nature, that's the part of us that wants to live against God and live our own way. We all have the flesh, the sinful nature. Every single person in this room has that. But if you become a Christian, it doesn't just end there. You have the sinful nature still, that doesn't go away, but something else moves in and starts to change things as well. Because if you're a Christian, this verse is talking about the fact that you have 
the Spirit as well, the Holy Spirit of God. God Himself comes and lives in you, He dwells in you, He lives in you, so that now you've got these two things going on on the inside, the sinful nature that all of us have got, and you've now got the Spirit of God as well. And so, if you're a Christian, get this, you have these two conflicting desires that live in you at the same time, and the crazy thing is they want the opposite of each other. They're trying to pull you two different directions. The flesh wants sin, the sinful nature wants sin, but the Spirit wants obedience to God. And so, there's a war, there's a conflict. That's what it looks like to live the Christian life. Now, Sully, if you're out there somewhere, can you bring out my boxes? If you are backstage, yeah, he suddenly didn't let me down. I got some boxes. The other week, be very careful with them because, seriously, be careful. Pop them down to the front here, just pop them down there. Which one? Hang on. Yeah, this is. All right, cool. Pop them on there. Um, the other week, I bought a pet to use. I bought my rabbit, Frankie, and I thought he was going to die with the pressure of racing that turtle, but he didn't. He's alive, he's with us. Tonight, I brought some more pets to youth. Um, so, I brought two cats and one dog to youth tonight. Now, um, just listen, stay with me. Both of these boxes each have a cat in them, but only one of these boxes has a dog in them. And so, let's just listen up and just try and work out which box has got the dog in it, all right? You ready? Just, I'll get my mic close. <laughs> okay, not much going on there. Doesn't seem very lively to see what's in this box, just... Yeah, it's pretty wild. Now, (laughs) just to be clear, just in case you're a bit slow on the uptake, there's no live animals in these boxes. Um, Who did I actually have then? Who was like, he bought, I can't believe you bought all these animals. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to laugh at you. We did have a real dog show the other week, so that's fair enough. Um, There's no... (laughs) There's no real animals in these boxes, right? Next time, I'll think about it. Now, with that stupid example just now, there's a cat in both boxes. That, that represents the sinful nature. It's fitting, right? Cats are the, the, the flesh. But only one of those boxes has got a dog in it. The spirit. <laughs> if, you're, if you say dog backwards, you do get God, so I guess... I don't know. Anyway... Stay with me, we've got to bring it back together here. Guys, get this, every single person in the world has a sinful nature. We've all got that living inside of us, only the Christians have the Spirit. And so, what that means is that the normal Christian experience of the Christian life will be one of genuine internal conflict. Some days, you're going to be walking through life, if you're a Christian, and you're going to feel like the Hulk. You're going to be like, i got Eric Banner, regular chill guy, but I've also got Raging Hulk inside of me and you don't know which way you're going and what you're supposed to be doing because you've got these two conflicting things living inside of you. And so, what does that mean for us? Well, guys, first of all this, don't be surprised that the Christian life, as you live it in the long run, in the grind of the week outside of fat, when you're back in normal routine of life, it can be pretty frustrating I honestly can remember being your age and thinking to myself, I cannot wait till I outgrow being sinful. I can't wait till I'm like my dad's age and then I'll have gotten too old to be sinful and that'll be heaps nice and I'll be done with it. That's not how it works. You won't 
outgrow being sinful. This side of, of heaven, you will never be rid of the sinful nature. You might hate it, you might rage against it, you might fight, you will grow, but don't be surprised that the sinful nature still remains. And guys, don't lose heart if you've come home from fat and you're excited and keen for things to be different, but you've come home and you've worked out, I'm still a sinner. It's a normal Christian experience. Secondly, though, be comforted by this truth. Expect it to be frustrating at times, but be comforted by this. Sometimes in my sin, I reckon in my quiet thoughts in my own head, I can feel like somehow I must be extra messed up. I look around at the people around me and my Christian mates and they seem pretty perfect, but I see my own life for what it really is. And I'm like, man, am I extra busted? Like, what's wrong with me? Well, if you are a real Christian and you really have the sinful nature, because all of us have that, and you really have the Spirit then the life of conflict, the life of ups and downs and tension is normal. It's not right, it's not a good thing, it's not the way it should be and God won't leave it like that forever. Praise God, in heaven we'll be done with the sinful nature but this is the normal Christian experience, guys and that's comforting. And in fact, I'll say this, if you're someone tonight who's sitting there going, yeah, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, I follow Him, He saved me, But as you live your life, there's no sense of conflict and inner torn between two things. There's no sense of conflict for you. You should actually be pretty worried because I guarantee you've got the sinful nature. Every single one of us does. And so why is there no conflict? Why is there no tension? Why is there no being pulled in two directions? Because only the Spirit will cause that. And so, why, why are you so comfortable in your sin? It's a good question to ask yourself tonight. Where is the conflict? Now, if that is you, I reckon the best thing you can do is chat to someone you trust tonight about that and say, hey, help me figure out what's going on. Talk to me through this. Help me work this out. But talk to someone tonight. If you're like, I don't feel any tension or conflict or it's just easy, talk to someone tonight about that. But if you're someone who's feeling the real pull and the real tension and the real be encouraged. It's a normal Christian experience. Here's the second thing to see in this passage tonight and pick it up in verse 19 and it's the battleground. Check out the battleground, verses 19 to 23. There's two lists there in those verses. On the one hand, you've got what the sinful nature wants, verses 19 to 21. And the second list is the list of the fruits of the Spirit, the stuff that the Spirit is trying to grow in your life. God, by His Spirit, at work in your life, verses 22 to 23. Two lists, and those lists are in conflict with each other. They're actually leading you in two different directions. This is where the fight happens. This is the battleground for this kind of stuff. Now, take it up in verse 19, there's a whole bunch of little sections. The first section is about, I think, sexual sin. Verse 19, halfway through, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Sexual immorality is just using sex the wrong way, using sex with anyone, doing anything sexual with anyone you're not married to is a misuse of sex. Impurity, it's the opposite of purity. 
So you can be impure in the way you behave. Debauchery sounds like something pirates do. It's a fun-sounding word. But the gist of it is basically publicly doing things that you should be ashamed of. The public enjoyment of sin that should be shameful, that you're like, hey, look at me, how good is this? Debauchery. Um, We could spend the rest of the night just talking about those three things. And I reckon there's a lot that those three words have to say about where we're at in our world. But I'm going to spare you that because there's a lot more to cover. But I will, I'll, I'll hit a few things quickly. Guys, first thing to say, we say this all the time, but we've got to say it again. Pornography is a huge struggle for so many people. And it's not just a guy thing, it's a struggle for girls as well. And some of you, you might not have ever talked to anyone about this tonight, but you, you might not have ever talked to anyone about this. But tonight you are sitting there and you are hopelessly addicted And it feels like this is the kind of thing that you could almost never deal with and get free from, even though you've tried, you're not getting anywhere and you can almost feel like there is no hope. To you, I want want you to hear what we saw in verse 16 already. You can change. It's possible in life to go from being someone who is hopelessly addicted to pornography to being free from it. I've seen God do that in the lives of many young people. You don't have to stay stuck where you are. You can change. Second, I want to challenge us about this idea of debauchery for a second, not because I'm worried that you're pirates, um, but this idea of publicly gloating about sin that we should be ashamed of. Brothers and sisters, be very careful of the things that you like and the things that you share on social media. Your phones are like windows into a portal of craziness and the stuff there that we should even be ashamed that we're viewing, let alone sharing with the rest of the world. And so, if you're a Christian, be very careful what you like. Hey, check this out. Check out this to 400 other people so they can like it as well. Be very careful about the things you like and the things that you share. Another thing we should be mindful of is the stuff that we watch, the movies, the TV shows that we celebrate, that we love, that we talk to our friends about, the things that we call entertainment, but really we should be ashamed of. Game of Thrones, Vikings, House of Cards, Black Mirror, you, pretty much any stand-up on Netflix, and I'm sorry if I'm a bit off point in some of those shows because I haven't actually watched them all, but the stuff that we watch and celebrate and say, how good is this? Have you seen the next episode? We should be ashamed of it. So be careful about the things that you watch and say, this is entertainment. It could be debauchery. Skip down to verse 20. The second group of stuff you'll see there is relational sin. This is how we relate to each other and get on. Verse 20, hatred. Man, I just hate that guy. Gets under my skin discord, oh, me and her will never get along, we'll never get along, jealousy, down the bottom it mentions envy, I just want what they have, I want that for me, fits of rage, I was just so angry, I couldn't control myself, it's not my fault, it was my anger, fits of rage, selfish ambition, where it's all about you and what you want, dissensions and factions, some funny words you've probably never heard, but that's when we form little groups as Christians. We, we don't like that group of Christians over there because they believe these things and they do these things these ways, they're Christians but we don't like them for these reasons, dissensions and factions. 
The third group in the list there is, is partying sin. Verse 21 mentions drunkenness and orgies. Now, drunkenness, I reckon most of you get what that is, it's when you get drunk, and we're clear about what the Bible says, don't get drunk. Now, orgies, if you don't know what that word is, I won't tell you what it means, but I reckon for some of you guys, you hear that word orgies and you know what it means and you're like, all right, well, I guess the next time I get invited to an orgy, I'll decline that invite, right? That sounds like a good idea. But I think this word here, orgy, which is being used, is, is a translation, I reckon that's translated too narrowly. Basically, orgies here just means the stupid stuff people do when they get drunk. And in this particular context, as Paul writes, the stupid stuff they did when they got drunk was go to orgies. Now, that might not be you in your context, but here's the point. Guys, when it's legal for you to drink, so that you can in Australia, if you're going to drink, be very careful. God calls us to run away from drunkenness, but also run away from the stupid stuff that drunkenness will lead you to as well. Because you get drunk and that's a sin in and of itself, but you can mess up your life big time once you are under the influence of alcohol. So, run the other way. Now, there's that list, there's all the negative things that the, that the flesh wants to chase after. There's the negative, but there's this list of the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22 and 23. It says, love, joy, peace, forbearance, when you stick with people, even when they are getting under your skin, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control and I think all of that, all those fruits flow from the first one there in that list, love. Christians, we should be marked by our love, that's, that's the thing that should make us distinctive. Out of all the ways that you could kind of spot a Christian in the world, play spot the tourist, the thing we should stick out for, sorry for the in-joke, the thing we should stick out for is our love. People should be like, Christians, oh, they're so loving. It's a little bit annoying how loving they are. And so, Christian brothers and sisters, how are we going at loving one another? It should mark us out. Now, there's the battleground. What I want you to do now, I'm going to do an interactive exercise, all right? I want you guys to do some work here. Now, if you're not a Christian, this is a chance for you to reflect on these things and, and see what it is that God saves you from but more than anything, if you're not a Christian, you need to get this, you need, to, you need salvation, you need forgiveness for these things. You don't need self-improvement, you need forgiveness. But if you are a Christian, if you're a Christian, have a look at this list up on the screen there, you can see it, both lists are right there, use your Bibles as well if you've got them in front of you, and just take 30 seconds to think, where do I obviously need to grow? If I'm a Christian, I want to please my Lord... Where do I need to at least start? Take 30 seconds, work it out. As you do this, don't avoid the elephant in the room. So don't be like, well, I don't really have a problem with jealousy, so I guess... That's the thing I'll work on. No, no. Grab the thing that you know you need to work on and think properly about it. All right. If you need more time later on, you can think more later on tonight. But 
if you did find something, if you've got something in your head where you're like, yeah, this needs to change, I need to grow, before God, I want this to be different, I want to spend the rest of our time applying this passage to whatever it is you've got in your head right now. I hope you grabbed hold of something, whatever it is, let's apply this passage to this. And here's the first thing to see, whatever that sin is in your head, know this, Jesus has already died for it, it is already defeated. If you're a Christian, it has been finally dealt with. Before you've done anything to grow or improve or move or whatever, Jesus has beaten it, it is done. Verse 24, look at it, He's beaten it by taking the, by taking the punishment for it, forgiving you. Verse 24 says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Paul is saying that Christians, get this, they're united to Jesus. If you're a Christian, you're someone who is united to Jesus, such that what happened to Jesus also happened to you. And so, if Jesus went to the cross and died, that means your sinful nature went with Him to the cross and it was as if your sinful self was dying on the cross when Jesus went to the cross. And so, it's a done thing, it is done. Whatever the struggle, it is done. Whether it was just one thing on that list or the whole list because you could see yourself everywhere, know that in Jesus, because you belong to Him, that sin is paid for. The penalty was paid on the cross. It is done. That's an unchanging fact. No matter how good or bad your week has been since fat, that is an unchanging fact. It is done. Your sin has been defeated. Your standing before God is a little bit like a really good present on Christmas morning, all right? Imagine your dad is the world's best surfboard shaper, okay? And you're into surfing and your dad is the number one surfboard shaper in the world. So, imagine walking down the stairs, sounds like one of you has got a dad who shapes boards, that's good, he's not the best though, imagine he's the best. And you're walking down the stairs on Christmas morning if you have stairs, and you come in and you just see this perfectly shaped surfboard just waiting for you. You didn't even know it was going to be done and it is custom made exactly for you and it's yours, it's a free gift, it's right there to be had. Your forgiveness from God, your standing before God, your position before Him is like that. It's not a partnership, it is 100% God and 0% you nothing of you contributes to your forgiveness. So, there's the first thing, whatever that sin is that you saw in that list, whatever you think you need to grow in, Jesus has already died for it, it's paid, it's defeated, your forgiveness is a free gift. How good is that? That's very good. Here's the second thing, whatever it is that you've got in your head from that list, through God's Spirit, you can actually change this thing can actually change, it can actually move. All through this chapter, Paul keeps talking about the Spirit. Verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law, you're not under the law anymore. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Verse 16, I reckon, is the most clear, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify, you won't give in to the desires of the flesh. There's this promise there, if you walk by the Spirit, you won't go the way of the sinful nature. And so, you've got to ask the question, well, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Sounds pretty important, doesn't it? 
This takes a little bit of thinking. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So, the, Spirit, the Spirit's action isn't this thing that just happens off in nowhere. The Spirit, its, its weapon is the Word of God. So, the Word of God is involved, but I don't think it's as simple as just going, okay, if I want to walk by the Spirit, I just need to make sure I get up, read my Bible in the morning, cool, now I must be walking by the Spirit because I read the Bible today. I don't think it's that simple. Walking by the Spirit, here's the best way to come at it that I've come up with, walking by the Spirit is actively living your life, moment by moment, with the mindset of the Spirit of God. And that mindset is shaped in you by the Word of God. I'm going to say that again because it's really important. Walking by the Spirit is actively living your life, moment by moment, decision by decision, with the mindset of the Spirit. And you get that mindset shaped in you by the Word of God. And so, guys, what this means is that this is a partnership between you and God. His Spirit leads us and we walk in step with it. We walk to its drumbeat. We walk with it. I said before that Christian forgiveness, your position before God, your, your justification, your salvation, it's like a free surfboard on Christmas Day that your dad gives you. But get this, Christian change, Christian growth, how you begin to now look more and more like Jesus, is like a surfboard that you shape with your dad. So imagine a different Christmas scenario, one where your dad still is the best surfboard shaper in the world, and, but instead of just giving you a surfboard, he actually says, hey, your present this year is I'm going to shape a perfect surfboard with you. And so he takes you into his workshop and he's got all the materials and they're paid for and he's got all the tools, he's got everything you need and you spend days and days and days and together he painstakingly teaches you how and guides you how to make a beautiful surfboard with him. He doesn't step in and take control and just do it for you and you just sit back, no, no, he does it with you. It's actually a partnership. Guys, that's growth in the Christian life. Your salvation, 100% God, 0% you. Your growth is a partnership though, it's actually something that you do with God. He does a work in you as you work, that's how you change. Isn't it good that we have the God of the universe, in us by His Spirit, working to make us more like Christ, that He's doing that sort of a work in us? Salvation, all done by Him and then He moves into your life and actually begins to grow you and work with you and shape you and change you, how good is that? Guys, I'm going to get the band up right now and they come up and find their place. I'm going to give you a moment to spend, spend 30 seconds committing what you've heard tonight to God in prayer. Take a moment now, these guys are going to come nice and quietly. Heads down, if you're a Christian, take a moment to pray, reflect on the things you've, you've been hit by in the Word and pray. Father God, thank you for the free gift of our salvation. Thank you that that is a done thing, that it is a fact that it is guaranteed in Christ's death and resurrection. 
And thank you, Lord, that not only do you save us, that you've begun a work in us to change us and make us more like Jesus. Father, I want to pray for all of us here tonight as we've reflected on things that need to change and need to be different. I pray that you would be at work in us by your powerful Holy Spirit. Please, Lord, change us. Bring more fruit of the Spirit and help us to put to death the things that the sinful nature wants. Father, for those of us tonight who are particularly stuck and feel like we can't move past serious addictions that have set in, I pray that you'd bring change. Lord, I pray you'd help people to bring their sin into the light and own it for what it is so that they can move forward in it. Lord, please bring more and more fruit of the Spirit among us and I pray that all of this wouldn't be so that we can think how good we are but so that we can praise and honour you with our whole lives. Amen.